I just can't get over how appropriate it is, is our first through fourth graders get up and move, so do I. Hey, y'all. It's just something about, hey, have a good time, Hannah. Something about that, that age group that I just, like, like, connect with. I don't know about you. Uh, hopefully, I, I never stop connecting with. Love being a child at heart. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 31, in your bulletin, if you're dyslexic, it's a perfect morning for you because it says Psalm 13. Uh, it's actually Psalm 31. Uh, we are continuing our worship series on worship by design. That God has created each and every one of you, whoever you are and wherever you've been and whatever your life story is, God has made you fearfully and God has made you wonderfully. You, have, you reflect infinite worth because you were made in the, in the image of an infinite God. When he looks at you, he, he sees himself. And of all the things that, that you do in life, of all the things you feel like you were created to do, the ultimate thing that you and I were created to do is to, to worship God, to know and love him, to be known and loved by the God of the universe. Because of the work of his son, this is something we're going to be doing, not just this morning and not just for our lifetime. The reality is this is something we'll be doing all in eternity. We've been looking through the Psalms to help us understand what actually is worship. And the way we've been doing this is we've been looking at different elements uh, of our, our worship service and how that element tells the gospel story, the story of the Bible. How things like God's an invocation asking God to come join us and, and how things like confessing our sins. And this morning we're going to look at petitions. The things that we have that we can come into this place and it's a safe place. That God calls us into his presence, says, come, come as you are, come with whatever baggage you have, whatever junk that you have, whatever things you're still struggling with, things that no one else knows but him. He says, come, come into my presence, come and worship, but also come and, and petition. Come and lay all your requests down at my feet, because a father loves to hear the request of their children. Hey, Dad, can you help me with something? Hey, Dad, can you, can you just give me a little hand? Can you help me with something? That's probably the greatest question that a father could ever be asked, is it not? I mean, to have their, their son or their daughter uh, come into their presence and ask that question, Hey, Dad, Dad, can, can you help me? Can you lend me a hand? Can, can somehow, can you bridge the gap? Because in that question, Hey, Dad, can you help me? is relationship. In that question, is just for a dad to be able to hear that, to hear that, that, that word, father or, or dad, is a reminder that God has blessed you and blessed you with the privilege of children. I know for, for many of us, we, we know that blessing as a mom or, or as a dad, as our child come into our presence and ask for help. For some of you, there may be a longing in your life. You, you, may, you may long for, for that title that hasn't become a reality yet. And for some of you, the word dad was very, very difficult. As a matter of fact, uh, you didn't feel safe going to a father, or maybe you never even knew a father. But asking the question, hey, dad, can you help with something, is great because it reminds us of relationship. But it's more than that. It's when a child tells you that you realize as a father that they, they see in you strength. That they, they see in you that there's, there's something that you possess. There's something that you're strong enough to fill or, or to answer. 
But even beyond that relationship, and even beyond that strength, as a father who has asked that, you realize that there's safety. That somehow through that relationship, it's a safe place to ask. A place that you could go into a father's presence and say, can you help me with something? Did you grow up with that ability? Do you give that to your children? Again, as a dad, I think one of the greatest questions I've been ever asked is, hey, dad, can you help me with something? Our heavenly father loves to be asked that we would ask of him to help us. Our heavenly father, we we hear throughout scripture, throughout the story of of, of God's word is this, is that we have a God in, in heaven, a heavenly father who continually says, come to me, come and ask. Come with whatever burden you have, whatever, whatever's on your heart, come. As a matter of fact, it's such an important part of God's story that's an important part of our worship service. That there's actually a, a part of our worship that we come and, and we petition God, we ask. We believe that he's a father who likes to, to hear the request so much, we print them in the bulletin, petitions from you and from me, that we ask God, can you help us? Can you come and be with us? Can you make this right? You know, in our worship services, we look through this. Rightfully, we realize through the Bible that our worship needs to be very God-focused, completely focused on God. Because real, really, we're here for Him. The story of the Bible, it's all about Him. Our, our worship needs to be what we call Christocentric. It needs to have a Christ-centered focus in everything that we do. Not just our worship here corporately, but our worship in all of life. Your, your life should have a gaze of God in everything you do. But you know what's amazing? Even in the midst of our worship, he says, you know what? Let's just hit pause. Keep thinking of me. Keep worshiping me. But I want to think about you. I want to hear from you. I want you to be able to come to me and just bring your heart. Bring the good stuff and bring the bad. Bring the heavy stuff and the broken stuff. This is our God, who even in the midst of corporate worship says, I want to make sure that I focus on you, my beloved in Christ Jesus. He basically almost pauses our worship and says, hey, for us, hey, Abba Father, hey, Abba Father, Father in heaven, can you help me with something? I'm really struggling. The beauty of a relationship with God is this. If God is your father, if God is your father, you have a strong place and a safe place to bring your petitions. Let me say it again. If God is your father, then you have a strong place, a mighty place, and a safe place to bring all of your needs, all of your wants, all of your petitions, and lay them at his feet. We're going to read Psalm 31, and, and this psalm is a, a really a song of petition that's, that's requesting of God. We're also, if you have your Bibles, if you want to uh, uh, put a little tab in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, we'll also read that uh, and look at how Jesus taught us to petition God and, and taught us how to pray. But let's be mindful of this. This is God's story. This is God's word. And, and no matter if we're in the Psalms or, or if we're in the Gospel of Matthew, this is all one story unfolding. That, that God tells us that he has breathed his very being on the original writers to tell us of his love and his story. That it'll never lead us astray. And originally without any error. So this is a, a story not just to, to be 
heard, but it's a way to be transformed by the power of God. So if you'll read along with me silently as I read God's word, it should be listed for you in your bulletin and behind you. And again, we'll turn to Matthew 6 after I read Psalm 31. Hear the word of the Lord. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me and a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your namesake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net that, that, that have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit your spirit. Let's hit pause. Sound familiar? Our Lord Jesus himself quoted that. That psalm in a prayer on the cross in Luke 23. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols. But I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. And this, this is a word that I've been pointing to throughout the Psalms. It's the Hebrew word hesed, sometimes translated loving kindness. It's this relational word that God has with you and me if we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's this love word that he can't get over. I rejoice and be glad in your, your hesed, your steadfast love. Because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I wonder how many of you feel that way this morning. Find hope in God. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my uh, acquaintances. Those who see me in the streets flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot plot to take my life. Now listen to this wonderful turn. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies. And from my persecutors, make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your, here's that word again, steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of the children of mankind, in the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown, here we go again, his steadfast love to me. 
when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you saints. Let me hit pause here. This word we looked at a few weeks ago. The saints are those who are in relationship with him. They're those by God's grace who know he loves us. It's, it's a really, it's like that word hesed, God's loving kindness. We are hasid. We are those that are called now his saints. It's crazy, isn't it? Because we're his. Love the Lord, all you children of God, all you saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, and you will and you who wait for the Lord. Let's turn to Matthew 6 and hear the Lord's prayer. Jesus taught us to pray this, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us continue to pray. Oh, Father God, how gracious and mighty you are that you have called us to come and to bring all of our petitions, all of our wants and our needs, our brokenness, our sin, our shame, all that we have, and to, to bring them into your presence and to lay them before your feet. Oh God, you're a gracious God that allows us to do that. Not only to do that, but to care about each and every one of them. And God, not just to allow us to come and to pray and and to lay them into care, but God, you act. You act upon the petitions of your people for your glory and the protection of your family name. God, may that reality, the reality of a Father in heaven who is holy and merciful, and just, and desiring of our hearts, lead each and every one of us into your presence this morning. God, speak through a broken sinner like me. God, give us ears to hear your voice. God, give us minds to understand your word. Give us hearts to embrace your truth. Give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your holy name. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to to shape us and to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. If you want to follow along with me, there's an outline in your bulletin this morning. And the first thing we're going to see is that in, in God, by his grace through the work of his son, that we have a father in heaven. We have a father who is a rock of refuge. Let me remind you, if God is your father, you have a strong and you have a safe place to bring your petitions. If God is your father, you have a strong and a safe place to bring all the requests of your heart. You see, having a relationship with someone makes all the difference in the world. I mean, having a relationship with someone when you're, when you're asking, when you're requesting of them, really does change everything. I mean, what, what mother or father that's worth their salt would, would not listen to their child's request? 
What brother or sister or what friend would, would not listen to the requests and the needs and the petitions of others? A friend in need is a friend indeed. But it really begins with that relational aspect. To me, what I find to be the most difficult and the most troubling when you see those that, that, are, that are in difficulty along the side of the road, those who are holding a sign and, and asking for a request and, and maybe just a handout or a little bit of help, what really is so sad is the, is the bankruptcy apparently of relationship. Where are their friends? Where, where are their, their, their family? Where are they? I mean, Scripture makes it a priority that, that we as a family, not just a church family, but as families should look out for one another. And this whole thing begins with relationship. You see, by God's grace, we are in relationship with God. We can call him Father. It's incredible good news of the story of the Bible. The psalmist is, is going to remind us that. Three times through Psalm 31, he's going to tell us of God's steadfast love, God's loving kindness, God's love that will never, ever, ever let you go. Who gets that love? Every one of his children. Who gets that love? Those who he decided to love before time began. You know, God is a lot of things. God is a holy God. God is a just God. I mean, God is, is without sin, and he will also judge the living and the dead. But do you know this about God? He always leads with love and mercy. Always. He always leads with his loving kindness. And what a great grace that is to us. Do you love God? Listen to what Psalm 31, 21 says. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously, wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. That word, hesed. If you want to know why God wondrously loves us, look inward. Look at your own brokenness. Look at your own corruption. Look at your own proneness to wander. Your own selfishness. And say, it's wondrously amazing that God loves a sinner like me. I am so prone to wander. I am so prone to forget. I'm so prone to think it's all about me. And yet God wondrously, wondrously loves you and me. You see, he loved us first. It begins with him. He's the one who initiates the relationship. He's the one who, who loved us when we're not lovable. Scripture says that while we're still sinners, Christ would come and die for us. Scripture tells us, for God so loved the world, he gave. And it was a place that was a mess. And now, because of Jesus and what he's done for us, we're his people. We're his beloved. We're his bride. And he is our God. Psalm 31, 14 will now say, but I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. Can you say that about God? Can you call him like in the Lord's prayer, my father, Abba, father, mine, my father in heaven, my God. Why? By his grace. Why? Because of his love, because of the work of his son. Although I'm not deserving the God of the universe, he's my God. And he's your God in Christ Jesus. That relationship that we can cry out, our Father who art in heaven. And that's why he calls us in verse 23, love him, you his saints. Again, the saints have a bad name. I'm not talking about the football team. They're pretty bad this year. But, but saints sometime throughout church history can kind of get confusing. Who's a saint and who's not? And how do you get there? And do you have to do some miracles or do you have to get somebody to say you're a saint? Do you know who the saints are according to God's word, the holy ones? It's his people. 
It's his bride. It's, it's you and me. And we want to say, well, I'm not very saintly. I mean, I, I don't act like a saint. I actually act much more like a sinner oftentimes. But again, he sees us through the lens of what Christ Jesus has done for us, his perfect righteousness, the one who paid it all, the one to all that we owe. And he says, you're my beloved. You are a saint of mine because why we're in relationship with him. In that reality, our father is a rock of refuge. I love that. He's rock. What is God trying to say as when he calls us himself a rock? And throughout scripture, we see that he's called that. We see Jesus is called a rock. A rock is a strong place. He's basically saying we have the privilege of coming and bringing all our petitions to a rock of ages, he calls himself. He's always been a rock. He's always been a strong place. He always will be a strong place. He's basically saying, come. And as you come into God's presence and you bring your petitions, here's who you're going to talk to. Mighty God. He's telling us there's nothing that's too great for him. Nothing. Your broken marriage. Your wayward kids. I mean, the brokenness maybe financially, your addictions or, or whatever you have. He's telling you, I am a rock and I'm your rock and you come to me and there's going to be nothing too great for me that I cannot do. He's not only a rock, he's also a refuge. You know what he's telling us by being a refuge? He's not only a strong place, ready for this? He's a refuge, he's a, he's a safe place. We, we petition God and it's safe to come to him. And here's the beauty, we don't have to hide. He knows the truth of you. You don't have to come pretending and, and putting those sins behind your back and, and trying to pretend that you're something you're not. You see, God is a safe place for you to go just as you are into his presence with all your junk, all your brokenness, all your habitual things that you keep stumbling and fumbling over and he's still safe to come in and call him daddy, Abba, father. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. We can hide in him. He gives us an identity. We, we can go and say, God, you're my refuge. Let me hide myself in you. Because you and you alone are the prince of peace. You know what that's saying? It's saying there's nothing too, in, too insignificant for him. There's nothing too insignificant. Anything about your life, he wants to know. Anything that's on your heart, he wants to, to, you to plead. There's nothing too insignificant about your life to bring to a heavenly father who loves you and adores you and he wants to hear your heart. You know, I, I, want, you to, I want you to picture a, uh, a child who, who's got a, a, a furrowed brow, a child who clearly is wrestling with something and, and, a, and a parent could come up to him and say, you know, what is, what is wrong, little Johnny? What is wrong, little Susie? And they would say, oh, it's nothing. I don't want to bother you with it. It's, it's not that important. And as a parent, a good parent, you want to say, it's important because it's important to you. It's important to me. And there's nothing I don't want you to share with me. I want you to find a safe place for me to come. Don't we long for that with our kids? Our Heavenly Father is the same way. He's a rock. He's a strong place. He's a refuge. He's a safe place. That safe place is hard for many of us to kind of imagine about a strong God. Did you ever hear this growing up? You just wait till your father gets home. Anybody hear that? 
It's kind of scary. Because many of us had fathers that were rocks that weren't at times always safe, right? They want to minister a little justice in your life. And again, I'm, I'm for that in, in, in the right context and love. But oftentimes we, we have a misskewed view of who God is. We're like, uh-oh, what if God shows up? What if my heavenly father shows up? You just wait till God comes. Oh, man. But he says, no, no, no. I'm a safe place. Because everything that you deserve to be punished for, listen, everything that you deserve to have my, my face turn away from, everything that you really have done that deserves separation and hell and damnation, I have put on my son. There's, there's not one thing about your life that is or was or ever will be that now, if you are in Christ Jesus, makes him an unsafe father. And that's a beautiful reality of what we have as a heavenly father. A strong place, a safe place. We don't have to worry, wait till dad gets home. We say, dad, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. You see, if God is your father, you have a strong place and a safe place to bring your petitions. We also see that we have as a father's name that motivates all. The story of the Bible is this, is that God graciously reveals to us his name. It's incredible. He allows us to have a handle, a name to call him. And everything that God does, everything that God does from creating to redeeming is all motivated by his name. God, according to scripture, acts for his namesake. Let me hit pause and say, how does it make you feel? I bet you many of you are like me. Say, well, that's kind of egotistical. I mean, God does everything for his namesake. God only acts for his namesake and for his glory. Isn't that a little bit kind of self-serving God? But we realize this is God's name. It's a name that is above every name. It's the most holy name. And for God, listen, for God to act in any other manner other than for his name and glory's sake. Listen to this. For God to act any other way than for his name and glory, it's idolatry. It's God honoring something above himself. He can't do it. He's holy God. God must and should and so should we do everything for his glory. That's why the psalmist would write in Psalm 115.1, not unto us, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. About 14 years ago, that was a verse that God gave me when I really felt called here to be your lead pastor. That's why we put in the, the uh, foyer for Christ in his kingdom. And it's not about us. It was to realize that, that God has done everything, that we are here by his design, for his name, for his glory. That is why Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, holy is your name. And Jesus would have the name above every name. That's why one of the Ten Commandments would say, don't take the Lord's name in vain, it's holy. But did you see what Psalm 31.3 said about God's name? Now listen, it's true, he always acts for his own namesake. But listen to this, Psalm 31.3 says this, for you are my rock, I love this personal pronoun, you are my rock, you are my fortress, and for your namesake, listen to this, you lead me and guide me. Unbelievable. Because why? Because he shares his name with us. For his namesake, he's going to do everything for his children that's for our best and for his glory. The odometer clicked over on Friday to a number I didn't want to see. 5 
What happened? I'm going to tell you one of the, one of the presents I got. It was such a joy. Uh, several years ago, I, was, I did a destination wedding. I don't do many of those. If you're going to think of getting married, you want a destination wedding, and you want me, let's, let's, let's do it good. Let's do it right, right? Um, we went to the Keys, and it was one of the most beautiful weddings. It was a family friend who was getting married, and, and it was one of the most beautiful, glorious settings I've ever officiated the wedding. And the husband, the groom, was a guy who was a major league baseball player. And he's made his way all the way to, to the big leagues. And as a matter of fact, right now, he is the closer, the, the last pitcher to come in for the Houston Astros. His name's Luke Gregerson. And so on my birthday, I got a Luke Gregerson jersey. And this is not just like something you buy at the store. This is, this is like the real deal. The patches, the name. It is awesome. It's incredible. Now, the question you might want to ask, did he wear it in the game? No. He's a professional athlete. Look at me, you know. He's like, I hope this fits you, Jeff. I think it's got, I think, I think it will. He signed it. I mean, it was, it was, my, my boys were like, oh man, that's really cool. That's the real McCoy, the real deal. And I'll be wearing it with pride, but the truth is, it's not my name. The truth is, it's somebody else's name that I'm kind of an imposter. I don't think anybody's going to come up to me and say, oh, are you the real Luke Rikers? <laughs> no. But I got another gift. I got a gift from my dad. I got a golf shirt. And a golf shirt, my dad, he, gave, he got our, our family name on it. You see, a dad loves sharing his name. A good dad's got, he's got a name. It's, it's, it's something honorable to the family. It's Jake's is right on there. And it talked about a little family golf tournament that we're in in, in Owasco Lake. It was, like, it was like a crest, you know? It was like, it was like this is our family. This is, this is our name. Because why a father is proud of his name and a father loves sharing his name. And the reality is what God has done with us is this. He has shared with us his name. He's given us his name. We are his children. A name he shares with us. The Gospel of John tells us in John 1.12 this. To all you who receive Jesus, to all you who receive Jesus by putting your faith in him, who believe in his name, ready for this? He gave the right to become children of God. So for those of us by God's grace who, who have embraced Christ as Jesus, he's given us his name. That's what it says in 1 John 3, 1, in one of my all-time favorites. It says, see what kind of love the Father has lavished upon us or given to us that we should be called the children of God. And the last part is the kicker. And so we are. I could wear Luke Gregerson's jersey all day long. I'm not a Gregerson. I'm not. But I'm a child of God. And the jersey I wear is robed in Christ's righteousness. The identity I have has been washed in his blood. You see, I am his and so are you in Christ Jesus. That name has been shared with us and God always acts on his name. He always is going to lift up his, he's always going to defend his name. By God's grace, that family name we have, that crest, he now says in Psalm 31.1, in your righteousness, deliver me. His righteousness, not our righteousness. Don't you love that? In your righteousness, deliver. I'm wearing your name. If you ever say a prayer to God that says, God, would you please listen to me because I'm a good person? If you ever pray a prayer saying, God, would you listen to me because I'm a religious person? If you ever pray a prayer that says, God, you must listen to me because of the things that I have done for my own righteousness, that prayer never works. Why? Because he's holy God. <laughs> 
Why? Because the Bible tells us that our righteousness, our good stuff, apart from God, is like filthy rags in his sight. And so he wants to say, because you're my children, because that you now have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21, we are to plead the righteousness of Christ. Listen to me, deliver me as you've delivered your son, because I am yours. Jesus in John 15, verse 16 says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father, listen, whatever you as a child of God ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. There's power in that name. When we say God always acts for his name, for his glory, that's a good thing if you wear the name. Not only that power of rock and refuge, that safety, not only that, that name, it's the Father's hands, the hands until which we commit all. If God is your Father, you have a strong and safe place to bring your petitions. And into His hands, we commit all that we are. As we commit all we are, we're basically saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in all of my life. That's how we should give petitions to God. Psalm 31.5 says again, Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Jesus quotes that in Luke 23, 46. Basically saying, God, as I come to you, I give you everything I have into your hands. Why? Because God's hands are strong. God's hands are carpenter strong. They're strong hands that will never let you go. Why? Because God's hands, well, they're safe hands. They're nail-pierced safe hands. This is the hands of God that we commit everything to. Into God's hands, we commit all that we are and all that we have. That's what he says in 31.15, my times are in your hands. He's basically saying, God, my very soul, my very substance, what makes me, me, I give to you. I put it in your hands. I trust you. You're a good father. And all the times you've given me, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the beautiful, I give them all to you. I put them into your hands. My whole time, it's basically saying the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, God, thy will be done. You see, when we petition our God, it's not that we're asking God to come and and bless our plans. Listen, when we ask God and we say, God, I commit everything into your hands, we're basically saying, you are a father who knows best. God, this is the way I see it. This is, I'm gonna tell you, this is the way I hope things go. But God, you see all things. And you love so well and so deeply. I petition you knowing that you know best. I pour out my heart, but may your will be done. May your will be done because your will is best. And that's how we petition him corporately as well. God, your will be done. Again, please take the bulletin home with you and pray for others and say, God, in the name of Jesus, may your will be done, but God, bring your healing and hope. Even after each service, we want to offer prayer Uh, in this late service to those who need it in the name of Jesus, because it is a strong place. It is a safe place. But ultimately, we place our hands, our our lives into his hands. And lastly, a father's face that shines upon all. If God is your father, you have a strong place and a safe place to bring your petition. I love the beauty of the story of the Bible. It's this, is that God's face isn't angry. God's face isn't contorted and just wrath looking at your life. That God, through the work of his son, Jesus, his life and his countenance is a beauty that shines upon us. God's face shines on us in Christ Jesus. 
When he says this, he's really talking about the, the blessing that Aaron offered to God's people in Numbers 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Here's the beauty. When you come into God's presence and you wonder about the way he's looking at you, it shines, he beams, he delights. On your worst day, he delights. He shines upon you in Christ Jesus. He will never stop shining on you because Jesus is the light of life and the light of men. And as he loves his son, he loves us. And that face, the countenance of God will never change. He will discipline those he loves. But do you know of a father that loves you that much that face shines upon you? You know how safe that is? And so we come to him and say, you know, God, give us this day our daily bread. We come to a father who loves us and is for us and shines upon us. Forgive our sins as we forgive others for our debts. We know that he's already given us his righteousness. He has. He's listened to us. He's, he's given us his son, Christ Jesus. When we say deliver us, he already has delivered us. Lead us not into temptation. He says in Psalm 31.3, for your namesake, he will guide and lead us. In 31.8, he has delivered us from evil. Jesus had defeated all of our enemies. I had lunch this week with a guy who I'm getting to know. He's been an influence as a coach in my son's life. And he told me a little bit about his story. He said, you know, I never once knew my dad. Never knew him, never met him. Don't know who he is. I had a granddad who was a safe place, but not a strong place. And now as a new dad is trying to find out what being a father is all about. He's done well. I'm proud of him. But isn't there something sad? It's many of your stories that don't know a dad, never had a father. Isn't it a tragic place to not know your God is heavenly father? What a tragedy it would be not to have a relationship with the one who cares that deeply. The one who is that strong. The one who is that safe. The one that we can bring all that we have and lay at his feet. Who hears us, loves us, and acts for us for his glory. You see, if God is your father, you have a strong place and a safe place to bring all that is in your heart. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that we could come into the God of the universe presence And we need to worship you and see you as you are. But God, that you're so gracious that you stoop down to us and say, now bring me all your stuff. Bring me your junk, bring me your baggage, bring me your sin, bring me your good stuff, bring me your joys, bring it all. Because he is a strong and safe father who desires to hear our hearts cry. And God, we thank you that you will always act for your namesake and that we can share that name in Christ Jesus. And Father, we thank you that we commit into your hands all that we have and all that we are, and it's a safe place as well. Oh, Father God, we thank you for this relationship that we have with you in Christ Jesus. If there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Abba Father, doesn't know you as that strong, safe place, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would acknowledge their brokenness and sinfulness in in your presence and embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would know the joy of having our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. 
And by your grace, we are your children in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.